0: Welcome to the Friday, January 28, 2022, edition of On Iowa Politics. Support provided by New Pioneer Food Co op, celebrating 50 years as Eastern Iowa's source for locally and responsibly sourced groceries with stores in Iowa City, Coralville, and Cedar Rapids, and online through co op card at NEWPI.COOP. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette with me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy.
1: Good morning, James.
0: Aaron Murphy, Statehouse Bureau Chief for the Gazette. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics wherever you find your podcasts. This week, we're going to talk about the flatter, fairer, and vanishing Iowa income tax. Iowa Senate Republicans and now House Republicans have released their respective flat income tax plans that they say would be fairer, shrink Iowa's tax bills, and eventually phase out the state income tax. Aaron, it sounds like the Republicans are not in total agreement. Um, Walk us through the different. Actually, we have three plans. I guess we have the governor's plan, Senate Republicans, and House Republicans. Three plans to choose from. do you just select one plan, file your taxes, and see how it goes, or
1: uh... <laughs> high deductible? Get the high yeah. deductible.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a
2: tax plan buffet. You get to uh, come up and and pick which pieces. No, that'll be the key. Obviously, is is they've each introduced their plan. They've all planted their flags, um, and now they have to. Uh, come together and uh, figure out which one plan uh, to put together and and send to the governor. Obviously, they're going to do something. Um, What it will look like will probably be a little bit of a mix of these pieces so just to go through them as as quickly as possible so we don't lose everybody uh on the podcast in the next 30 seconds um
0: we love taxes on line 61a <laughs> well let me tell
2: you as he cracks his knuckles and um so they they all reduce the income tax um the governor and house go to four percent for everybody. They they all go to a flat income tax. Governor and House go to four percent. Senate goes to three point six, a little lower. They all eliminate the income tax on retirement. So that's the one piece that they all that they all did similarly. Governor and Senate reduced the corporate income tax rates. The House left that alone. Um and then the how the other big difference is um the senate version has a mechanism that kind of shifts some taxes around some existing taxes um and and puts some of that towards the um conservation and water quality trust fund that was created 12 years ago now and and has never been filled um so so that's the uh, one key difference of theirs the other thing i should circle back to on the The personal income tax, the flat taxes I was talking about, and James touched on this, they all reduce it, Governor and House to four, Senate to 3.6. But the Senate also includes a mechanism that uses the taxpayer trust fund, the roughly billion dollars they have in there, to eventually also keep whittling that out until there is no um, income tax in the state of Iowa. The other plans do not do that. They stop at 4%. Um, Total costs... Governor at 1.6 billion, House at 1.7, and the Senate at 2 billion. These are preliminary estimates. LSA hasn't weighed in on these yet, Um, so we'll see what those look like. Um, So they're all expensive. That's all. That's in an eight billion dollar state budget. Um, So, so that's a key part of this. Is is um, you know, does revenue grow enough to cover those, or might state agencies have to look at their spending in the future? That's an open question.
0: Yeah, that, that seems to be the side of this that Republicans aren't really talking about now, is that if you reduce revenue by $2 billion, you might have to trim state spending somewhere. Now, uh, state revenue, I think last year was somewhere around $9 billion and an $8 billion budget. Um, so obviously there's a surplus there. But uh, you know, if you, if you keep reducing the income taxes, the revenue, um, they may have to adjust that. Republicans really have never been uh, opposed to reducing government spending. But where you reduce it and how you reduce it, uh, that's where the rub comes in. And and Aaron, as we've seen um, in previous years, when Republicans have proposed tax reductions, uh, the House and Senate aren't necessarily on the same page. Um, It drags out all session, and then you get to the end of the session or maybe beyond the end of the session and they're still trying to work out their differences are, you know, now the governor's plan is slightly different. Are, are we going to see a big uh, wrestling match out in the rotunda to settle this uh, come April?
2: <laughs> God help us if we do. But why do you say that? Cause that's exactly how I asked speaker Pat Grassley this question yesterday. And that's almost exactly how I phrased it. Uh, media group think uh, here at its worst, uh, I guess. Um, I I said, is this something that's going to be done uh, sooner than later this session or is this something that's going to be holding up um, uh, Sonny Dye? And he said that he thinks the fact that everybody has their plan out early, that that's what they're all talking about right now and and emphasizing he thinks he takes that as a positive sign that things could move, Um, you know, and there may be something to do that. that. That's fair. He's not wrong um but he did say but we'll see what the next few weeks look like and and that's kind of the unknown is you know there's there's some differences in these plans that are more minutiae. and there's some of these that are very significant and uh and and what we don't know uh and this is the question we always don't know when we talk about any issue like this and when we're talking about whether it's going to hold up session is to what degree legislators feel strongly about this and how much they want to dig their heels on it. Um, so if, if the Senate really is dead set on having that mechanism that I talked about that eventually completely phases out the income tax, if they want that, because Pat Grassley did not sound at all interested in that. He said, that's a conversation for another time. Um, so there's an opportunity, there's a, a, a spot where a negotiation could break down and this could drag things out. Uh, that's what we'll have to wait and see is, is what's most important to these legislators who are going to be negotiating the differences between these bills.
0: And it seems in previous years when they've gone down this path, um, that there is sort of this pride of authorship that neither side wants to really, I mean, neither—they're all Republicans. They all agree on they want to lower taxes, but they don't want to uh, give up anything they put in their bill. And so, it takes a—it takes a long time to, for them to reach an agreement on this. Amy, and I'll um, say, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Amy. I just
2: wanted to add to that because the other interesting thing about this to me this week with the Senate announcing their plan on Wednesday and the House on Thursday is how quick they both were to say ours is very similar to the governor's. They both wanted to stake out that ground, which was very interesting to me uh, as it it kind of sounded like a pitch like you love our plan because we were the one that uh, we're we're, us and the governor on the same page here. So that was two against one. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Amy, um, as Aaron mentioned, the Senate uh, Republicans threw in this sweetener in their plan by saying they'll shift some tax money into the state natural resources and outdoor recreation trust fund, which Nearly two thirds of voters approved back in twenty ten. Is that enough to to get people on board that may not be uh, wild or you know crazy about um, a flat tax? But you know the the clean water folks, the tree huggers, uh, are they going to get on board if if the Republicans fill that trust fund?
1: Uh, no, I think would be the, the short answer. Um, I, I know that um, it's definitely been something that, you know, the Iowa Inver- Environmental Fund's been pushing um, pretty hard and, and obviously some other uh, key constituencies would be excited to see this fund actually have money in it, you know, like, ooh the, the fund that we approved so many years ago, um, 12 years ago is, is now um, being actually funded, which could Uh, make a difference um, if you like the outdoors and and the water and being clean. But that having been said, that's not going to be enough. Um, You're not seeing, you know, legislators talking about, well, if only they fund the outdoor uh, trust fund, then I'll get on board with this tax thing. They're really talking about the bigger issues here, which is that that much money taken away from the state is going to massively affect programs. And I don't think giving, you know, part of it to the outdoor trust fund is going to change their minds on that.
2: And, and if I could add to that, too, James, the other the other part that will make it hard for even the folks who have been wanting this to happen for a long time, that will make it hard for them to get on board, I think, is the method in which the Senate's doing. It's a little bit of if you've heard the James and Amy and I have heard this a billion times because we cover this every day. Um, if you've heard the term shell game, um, that's that's how Senate uh how uh, Democrats are going to describe this because it's, it's kind of taking one tax from here and then putting another tax over here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you're taking from one pot to, um, to to put it in another Uh, sort of, they're not, they're not adding a new revenue stream here is, is the the point I'm trying to make in order to, to um, trigger this, water cons- and, and water quality and conservation funding, uh, which is what advocates are asking for. They're, they're kind of moving stuff around in, in the existing um, monies um, and trying to be clever about it that way. And, and I think that will make it hard for advocates to get on board with it too.
0: Aaron, have um, cities weighed in because this would affect local option sales taxes Um, which a lot of cities rely on, Uh, um, have they weighed in on whether they think this is a good proposal or or it's going to cost them money?
2: I haven't heard from them yet, and that's going to be really interesting to hear how they feel about this. And this is about the Senate plan specifically. Um, I'm really looking forward to that first sub to hear what local governments say. And here's why. And God, I apologize a second time on the podcast for having because the background here is just so mind numbingly tedious and confusing, but important. So the Senate plan essentially eliminates the local option sales tax, which is called lost. And that's one cent, but then it turns around and raises the regular sales tax by a cent to essentially replace this. And that's what this is, This is the shell game I was talking about earlier. And then they're going to take that new one cent sales tax um, and put five eighths back to local governments, like, Like the like lost did, and then three eighths to the water quality fund, and then in order to keep local governments whole, they're going to take that missing three eighths and plug in general fund funding. So theoretically, the way and the way I understand it, yeah, exactly. Thank you, James. Uh, (laughs) So theoretically, the way I understand it, local governments should be made whole. They should come out this the. the same as they had it with lost not i maybe i'm not fully appreciating what's going on and 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 that's why i say i'm really interested to hear what local governments have to say about this whether they believe that it actually will work out that way
0: i hope everyone's taking notes because there's going to be a quiz at the end of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) and if you pass you'll be a qualified tax preparer <laughs> right, we're going to move on to something a little easier to understand now. Oh, thank God. We're going to talk about birds, <laughs> specifically two <laughs> birds. Hyperpartisan politics are increasingly on display at the Iowa Capitol. And this week uh, it was conservatives rallying to take back our government, which is kind of ironic because at least in Iowa, they control our government. It's theirs. But their target was Washington as a uh, former uh, Iowa Republican caucus winner told the rally, Washington is not going to fix Washington. Iowa is going to fix Washington. Um, among the fixes the conservatives called for were term limits. And one of the folks there, Representative Steve Bradley of Cascade, has introduced a bill uh, to limit members of Congress to just 12 years, which means that's only two more terms for Chuck Grassley. Uh, so, Amy, um, that puts Santorum... Uh, conservative uh, activists and talk show host uh, Steve Dace and Republicans who rallied on the same side as Democrat Amy Finkenauer. Uh, are they endorsing her? Uh, yes, this is
1: a full-throated <laughs> endorsement of uh, do, Finkenauer and her policies.
0: <laughs> do term limits stand a better chance now that there's bipartisan support?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> the problem with term limits is they're a great idea when you're running. And they're not such a great idea when you actually get into office and like the office and think that you can continue to do good work. It's it's like anything else with with putting a limit on it. Like people have thrown out, you know, Supreme Court justice limits on, on not a lifetime appointment type of thing or, you know, the fact that they don't let pilots fly commercial airlines after their age 65, even though pilots think they could still probably do that after age 65. You know, 65 is not death you know, these days. But at the same time, if if we need to put rules on society by, by putting them on the people that are in charge of those rules, it's never going to get done. Term limits will never get done. I'm calling it right here. It is never going to happen. <laughs> it's the people in power that have to decide it. And as long as that's the case, they're not going to decide to put term limits on. It's not going to happen.
0: You're such an optimist.
1: Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm feeling very optimistic. <laughs> it, there are
0: states that have enacted term limits for, like, state legislators, and uh, you know, there some some folks think it was great. Some think that it, all it's done is uh, turn, you know, give the power to the the staff, the lobby, uh, the bureaucrats who will be sure. there much longer than 12 years.
1: You Need a um, lobbyist term limit
0: as well, then. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> campaign <Yeah>. finance reform. <laughs>
0: when, when you talk about uh, how long people have been there, some of those lobbyists uh, have been there much longer than the legislators, and and some of them started out as legislators and then said, eh, you know, I can make more money out in the rotunda," uh, you know, and, and you know, good for them, I guess. Um, but really, term limits weren't the highlight of this um, lengthy. Rally at the Capitol, um, which I think went on for a couple hours. Aaron, yeah, yeah.
2: that's right. It, it was. Uh, it started at, uh, uh, in around the lunch hour and and went well into the early afternoon. It was a long one.
0: It's not going to be easy to take back our government. You know, I mean, there's there's a that's lot of true. work to do. There's a lot that's of work true. to do. A lot but, of people uh,
2: had feelings that they wanted to get out there.
0: Yes, yes. It was sort of a, a festivus for uh, that's right <laughs> the conservatives.
2: The <laughs>
0: They them. And um, among those airing their agreements was Representative Bobby Kaufman, um, who State House observers know is not exactly a stranger to the spotlight uh, and it's not shy when there's a spotlight to be uh, <laughs> stood under. He had uh, the perfect rhetoric for the rally. He said, quote, We in Iowa are a citizen legislature. We are not career politicians. I'm a farmer by trade, and most of us have real jobs. So I don't always subscribe to political correctness. And then to make his feelings clearly apparent, he flipped the double bird.
1: Double bird. (laughs)
0: Later in an interview with uh, on TV, Kaufman said his salute was not aimed at his Democratic State House colleagues but at quote the current party and power in Washington DC they are the ones responsible for open borders soaring crime rapid inflation I believe I spoke for a lot of folks in Iowa and in my district and had that have been feeling that for a long time Aaron um, what's the reaction <laughs> uh, kind of to, to piggyback
2: off on the way you you set up representative Kaufman. There's not a whole lot of surprise necessarily, um, there and, and the way he's leaned into it and the time since, um, I'll, (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Let me say this though. What I found funniest maybe of all about it is I saw the clip that WHO TV showed, um, and they blurred out his hands, and I can't remember which comedian it said who did this, but I thought it was so brilliant. It's like, at this point, what is the point of blurring out your yeah. hands? Like, yeah. nobody knows what he's doing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, what what are you preventing? Oh, thank goodness my kids didn't see that. They wouldn't have. Now they still don't know that he was flipping people off. I, I, I mean, I guess I appreciate it, but it seems a little silly to me. I, the whole thing's silly.
0: Yeah. I, Start to I, finish. Amy, I, I mean. The, the political rhetoric certainly has um, sort of declined, <laughs> diminished. Uh, yes. Is this sort of a new low for a, a lawmaker at the, the Capitol? And, you know, OK, we've, we've broken the bird barrier. What's next? <laughs>
1: You know, I'm not one that necessarily thinks and and perhaps that's because I'm a crass millennial, but I don't necessarily think <laughs> flipping the bird is the worst that you can do. You know, I mean, there are there are policies that, that you could argue that would have done worse things or that have done worse things to, to different people um, or that they've suggested, you know, type of thing that that I would find a lot more offensive than flipping the bird. But yeah, I mean, really, I think, you know, Kaufman is is working as as Aaron and, and you have said to try to you know stay in in the spotlight and and you know keep the pressure up. Um, he's really targeting because obviously um, as you mentioned the Iowa legislature is Republican dominated all of our federal representatives are Republicans um, at least except for you know one so we have the Republican power we're not he's not aiming at anybody that's that's representing us. So this is really just, an even larger national stage, I think that he's going for, um and maybe he wants to um you know be in in the mix when we're talking about the midterms and things like that, so it's possible that he's just looking to sort of you know raise his star uh-huh. up a little bit
2: and i and I think James and you I think you kind of touched on this a little bit um it's it's we've kind of reached a point where this is. If if we drew up a list of, and and if we include our federal uh, representatives and and uh, recent presidents, um, and and we drew up a list of um, unseemly behaviors or um, you know outlandish comments or or yeah. you know th- this would be somewhere on page mid fifties probably <laughs> if you ranked them so I, I think that's as much as anything is the the, the why my reaction is so muted to it it's because you know i i it, and for better or worse otherwise i won't argue that if someone wants to buy me a beer and and get me going on that um uh, s- send me an, You're uh, to hear a you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> um but it's but it's just that it, it's it's commonplace anymore. You know, it's- I'll
0: I'll take the role of the angry old man and get off my lawn here. But yes, um, <laughs> seeing somebody flip the bird is not shocking. Um, and, and and as Amy said, you know there you know there are policies that are far worse than the gesture. Um, I, I do think it disrespects the the office. I think it nice. disrespects the the capital. Um, and, and I think it it just coarsens, you know, continues the coarsening of of political rhetoric, which is really unfortunate. Um, What's going to be interesting, and I keep checking my inbox uh, expecting, uh, you know, an email from the Iowa Republican Party calling Kaufman out for his behavior, Um, you know, as they called out Abby Finkenauer for using, what was it, damn hell and jackass in her comments. Um, You know, uh, Bobby, uh, you know, Um, I think, you know, it's at least as, what do you want to say? Offensive, um, as those words. Um,
1: and the other thing is that Bob Vanderplatz called him out on Twitter.
0: Yeah. So there are
1: individuals at least that are, are, especially on your, you know, family and can, you know, compassionate conservative side that are calling him out
0: for that. Right. And and Vanderplatz said that that was not showing leadership, um, you know which which i think you know actually is a good argument you may, you know if you want to make the argument that folks in washington aren't doing the right things and they've let us down the wrong you're fine i think in a way that then ending your comments that way sort of you know negates what you've just said um, you know rather than paying attention to the argument you're making now now all the emphasis is on oh he flipped the bird um at, at people who can't see it. Uh, you know, uh, and and yep. also, you know, we have this situation where, um, you know, he's the son of the the chairman of the Iowa Republican Party, I, mm-hmm. interested in what the conversation has been like since um, that rally. Uh, <laughs>
1: you would like to be a fly on the wall at that? Yeah.
0: yeah because I, I'm sure it would be a, a very spirited conversation. Um, <laughs> also raises the question of. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah.
2: No, I was just going to say, and and to your point about the. um, uh, And and if there's any, um, you know, staff type folks, the the, the type of folks who pitch uh, stories and questions to reporters out there listening, um, to your point, James, about the hypocrisy, that's why I don't report on outrage of the Day stories because it's going (laughs) to be the other side the next day. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So you can skip my inbox when when that yeah. one comes, folks.
0: It, it does raise a question in my mind: if the capital uh, tour guides will have to like plan those uh, elementary school tours around the <laughs> valleys, make sure there's no adult themes. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: they gonna, gonna. Can you just tell us when Kaufman's talking so we yeah. can, you know, <laughs> so we can maybe move the field trip to later that day.
0: Uh, we're you. going to skip the rotunda today. Let's just uh, head right there. <laughs> it also did uh, provide a little levity at a subcommittee meeting uh, yesterday when uh, uh, Representative Skylar Wheeler uh, told people at the hearing that they would have uh, two minutes to speak and at the end of two minutes, his staffer would give them a hand signal telling them their time was up. And then he quickly said, an appropriate hand signal. <laughs> Oh, man. Moving from uh, the serious to the more serious, or from the the absolutely not serious to the very serious, there is a Supreme Court vacancy, and we may not know who, but it's pretty clear that the next United States Supreme Court justice will be a black woman. Uh, That's one campaign promise, or as the president prefers, proposal that it appears he will be able to deliver on. Aaron, uh, does the retirement of Justice Stephen Brewer uh, give Biden an opportunity for a reset, a uh, chance to get something done to sort of restart his agenda?
2: Yeah, yeah, to a certain degree, without a doubt, because uh, this is something that they will get done. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, very, very little. I should you'd never say never, I suppose. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's something that they'll be able to um look back and point two and, and maybe feel, especially uh, uh, those within their party, um, get them feeling a little bit better about the president and his agenda, uh, moving forward. Um, whether that has any coattails and creates any momentum, I, I, I don't know, probably not a whole lot, but, but, but look the, the, you They got the infrastructure bill done, which was a huge deal. Um, as the people of Pennsylvania now know, uh, <laughs> it, with Seriously. their bridges literally falling apart um, just before the president arrives. Hash a hat tip to Amy for pointing that one out on Twitter this morning. <laughs> Those um, pictures
1: are insane. Yeah, I'm sure, everybody all have seen them by now. Yeah,
2: wow. Um, so, so, so yeah. So the infrastructure bill was was a big deal and a big success. Build back better obviously ran into um, a wall and, and they're, they're taking a second, uh, different approach at that. Um, so this gives them, uh, something to put in the wind column, so to speak. So, yeah, so it's, it, like I said, does, does it move the needle as far as this approval rating? Does it mean it build back better all of a sudden picks up steam? I, I don't know about any of that. Um, but at the very least it gives them one in the uh, left-hand column as Bo Ryan used to say.
0: It, it was interesting to me that um, you know within, I don't know, an hour or two hours of uh, the announcement that Breyer was retiring, uh, Glenn Hurst, who's running for the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate here in Iowa, uh, seemed to have won the race to be the first candidate to comment on the Breyer vacancy and called on Biden to nominate a black woman, uh, which the president had already said that he was going to do. Uh, it, it took others, I, I guess... Some of the other candidates waited, sort of deferred to Breyer to officially make his announcement uh, before they commented on the vacancy. Um, Amy, uh, um, we expect that Republicans will put up some sort of a fight um, on the nomination, if for no other reason than for appearance' sake, and perhaps for the fundraising, uh, you know, opportunity. But um, you, you know, and Senator Chuck Grassley, who sits on the Judiciary Committee, said that. He's looking for a nominee within the legal mainstream to attract, um, you know, to get his support before he would support the nominee. Um, Is this a battle worth fighting uh, if Biden has the votes that he needs? Uh, You know, how much ammunition should Republicans spend on on fighting this nominee if it's a done deal?
1: I I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, it's your he's replacing like with like, right? So briars are reliable, you know, liberal voice on the Supreme Court. And and so will this next nominee be so I'm sure that, you know, maybe they'll grumble about it, but then they'll be moving on. You know, I think they're pretty eager to keep hammering, um, you know, the policy spending that's being proposed and and that sort of thing that's getting them traction, um, inflation, You know, these are big issues that are affecting people's pocketbooks right now. So I think it's really only an issue within that narrow beltway. So I think they probably I would I wouldn't expect them to put up a giant fight.
0: It it seems like um, they're almost better off saying, you know, hey, see, this is what happens when Democrats control the Senate. This is what happens. You know, the the president's going to keep sending us these liberal uh, out of the mainstream, you know, judicial nominees, um, you know. Give us a majority and, and we'll give you more Brett Kavanaugh's uh, Amy, you know, um, Faraday, Conan, yeah, Conan Barron and uh, Neil Gorsuch. Is, you know, I mean, you know, the.
1: I think you're right that it'll be a good fundraising appeal. I've already gotten fundraising emails about it, actually. You know, not that they're necessarily saying anything, just that, you know, Biden's going to put another liberal judge on the court. So, you know, we're going to need all the help we can get to stay back. And, you know, but they've, again, still got the 6-3 majority. I think it's pretty safe. Nobody's really worried about it. I think it's probably just the manufactured worry, like you said, to sort of drum up interest and money.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's not going to change the balance of of the court, um, and, and Biden may get more pushback from you know, the progressive wing of the party if if the nominee isn't su- sufficiently progressive.
1: That's actually true. Yeah, and and a lot of the nominees, especially his his front runner right now. Um, Is, you know, that very like traditional, you know, Harvard graduate, Harvard graduate, D.C. circuit judge, you know, type of thing where you could really see a lot of pushback from progressives. But I think in the end, that's all going to be, you know, sort of coming together as well, because they know that they still need those three to keep squeaking by. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you enjoy the podcast, tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Send your fan mail to podcast at thegazette.com. Don't forget that the work of everyone you heard today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City, Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily, Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Jordan Sullivan will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics. For Aaron, Amy, and our producer Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Be well.